0: Hey friends, I'm Sabrina, the rookie around here. John and Dick are the old school American fans of F1. Thanks for taking time to listen in on the conversation Dick and I had assessing the driver's progress for the 2023 season. There is no question that Max is dominating. Who would have thought that Fernando would be resurging as a result of his change to Aston Martin? And sadly for Charles, things aren't changing at Ferrari. Hope you enjoy our conversation. I am looking forward to the second of our two mid-season report cards that Dick, you're doing. We really have a benefit of your knowledge and experience as a racer that I think gives good color to assessing fairly these drivers. I also think you understand teams. And so by realizing what the driver has to work with, both as the team that he's a part of or even the team that he's competing against, I think enables you to have insights that will be very beneficial to our listeners. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at it on the obvious report card scale of A to F, which nobody's getting an F because this is an amazing field of drivers. What we are going to do is have our A part of the class, our Bs in the class, and our Cs in the class. And I'd like you to just kind of tell us why you ranked these different drivers into those three different categories. Let's start with our A group. Dick, tell me who is in your A group?
1: Well, there's two of them, and that's Max Verstappen and Fernando Alonso. You know, in the case of Max, I mean, he's just the dominant driver of the year, right? I mean, he, sure, he's driving the dominant car, He's driving a car that apparently only he can drive. And he is doing everything that he needs to do to win, including pissing off his engineer if it it comes to it. You know, you've heard the conversations. They've had some very pointed conversations between each other on the radio. And, um, you know, Max knows exactly what it is he wants. He expects it. And he's just got that mindset right now that I'm right, everybody else is wrong, and we're we're just going for it, you know? So there's that piece of it. And then if you look at Fernando Alonso, here's a guy, 42 years old, who is reminding everyone that he hasn't forgotten how to drive. He just hasn't had a very good car. He goes over to Aston Martin. He immediately does what Fernando does, which is... He's building that team uh, around him, but he's also pulling everybody together to make sure that the morale at the factory is high and all those kinds of things. And he's been rewarding them with stellar performances. And he's been very, very candid, you know, Some days he's got a car that's a P3 car and it finishes P3. And then there's other days that the best he's got is a P8 car and it finishes P8 or P7. And he's happy about it. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't get bent out of shape about it. Both Max and Fernando are extracting everything there is to get out of their car And in addition to that, I think Fernando has gone and helped the Aston Martin team to pull itself up and raise its game in a very short period of time. So I give both of those guys A's.
0: It sounds like you give Max an A that is slightly different than Fernando's A. An A plus versus what? What would you give Fernando?
1: Oh, I give him an A. It's so hard to tell because the gap between the Red Bull and the Aston Martin is so enormous.
0: I want to make sure it's clear. It's not like you, because you were a Fernando fan, you're putting him in the right. same bucket with Max, but it's different reasons for why they're both getting the A. I think it sounds like with Fernando, the A is because of the resurgence aspect, the proven proven aspect of him as a driver now being placed in a car that is better than what he had had at Alpine and in other right. instances, while Max, it's a class of his own still. I mean, because when we yeah. look at the field, he really is just it's a story totally on him and then the rest of the field. Yep. Um, and so when we look at the rest of the field, Fernando is also dominating the rest of the field. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, I want to clarify that for our listeners not to think that we're skewing this because you are attempting to be as fair as possible in your assessment. Trying
1: okay. So,
0: yes, <laughs> trying. Okay. So then let's look at the B group. Tell us how you got these people into that category.
1: Some of it had to do with how were they faring against their teammates? How is their apparent demeanor through the year? And of course, you know, how's their performance? Not so much relative to their teammate, although we'll kind of get into that in a minute, But I think it's more like, are they doing the things necessary, maybe off track to raise the game of the team that is around them? Because in so many instances, these guys are the face of the team, even though they're not the ones designing the car or building it or repairing it, right?
0: So Mercedes.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting deal. I mean, you know, I'm giving Lewis a B plus because he's getting everything out of a substandard car that can be gotten out of it and more. Um, and I, I have to just give him props. It's clear that the fire is not gone in that guy. I kind of wondered about it last year. I was like, eh, we kind of seeing the end of Lewis, but no, I think this year Lewis has kind of reestablished himself and kind of found his mojo again. Um, on the other hand, his teammate, George, I gave him a B minus, and it's a little bit puzzling to me because he seemed to be a lot more competitive to Lewis last year. And again, this may be because Lewis was kind of like, man, I don't know, because he hadn't gotten over the the loss of the 2021 championship or something. Who knows? The big issue with George, though, is, is that he has made some mistakes that have really cost him. It's not that he does a bad job in the races because he's had a couple of situations where qualifying just was horrible and then he put in some stellar drives to score some really useful points and if you look at the manufacturers championship Mercedes is doing quite well and that's because George is doing a great job scoring points as is Lewis so B minus for George B plus for Lewis the next two B category drivers i give is Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz of Ferrari i gave them both Bs you know you know that
0: breaks my heart But I I think it's, I know it's necessary.
1: Yeah. I mean, Charles has really felt the pressure of being the Ferrari driver. He views himself as the team leader. um, And he's made some errors that were unforced errors on his own part uh, that have really cost him. But at the end of the day, I, and we've talked about this before, I have to worry about the psychological damage that being with Ferrari is doing to Charles. I almost wonder if a change of scenery wouldn't be a really good thing for Charles. You know, so many of these guys, mega talented guys, Alonzo, Vettel, now Charles, all these guys have gone to Ferrari, high hopes, you know, only to be just sadly disappointed by Ferrari. It's a little bit like being a Dallas Cowboys fan. If you follow NFL football, Um, You always go into the season with great promise and you just know that sooner or later, it's all going to unravel and just fall apart in ashes. And so that's kind of Ferrari. But having said that, Charles's teammate, Carlos Sainz, I think is probably the most underrated driver in the field. Um, He does not get the pressure from the Italian press that Charles gets. I mean, no doubt he gets that pressure, but not to that extent. He doesn't live under a microscope, um, so they're not talking about him. And so Carlos is able to focus. He just goes out and and just gets it done. So he's not under the same media scrutiny and pressure that Charles is, and that's just got to help his headspace, right? I agree
0: and, with you on that. Yeah,
1: I, and I don't see Carlos staying at Ferrari forever. I think he's going to wind up going somewhere else like, I could see him going to Audi where he's got relationships with the the management there that from the past, because remember Charles has driven. I mean, Carlos has driven for a lot of teams, uh, four or five. And, you know, Carlos, he knows a lot of people in the paddock, whereas Charles, he's only driven for two teams. And really for the bulk of his Formula One career, it's all been at Ferrari. There is a difference there. And I think just the the goofiness of Ferrari has got to be really weighing on Charles's psyche.
0: I agree with you. It was it's so funny because you brought out the thing that I was going to point out is Carlos having gone through what wasn't a uh, Red Bull Academy right. and all these different drives that he's had has created that level of resilience. And then with for anybody who hasn't had the opportunity to listen to our team report card and discussion about the Ferrari culture that maybe we'll even expand upon in the future, Charles has really been a product of that. And so I think it's very uh, astute of you to highlight that psychological damage that is potentially there for Charles versus Carlos, who's gone through so many changes that has created that strength, internal strength. Anybody else, though, in the B group for you?
1: Yeah, Lando Norris. Lando just persevered with a car that came out that everybody at McLaren, at the very top of McLaren said, you know what? This is not the car that we wanted to design. We did not meet our performance targets. We've got to do a big rethink. And Lando clearly provided that leadership, the morale boost on the floor, uh, going in, making sure that everybody, even though they were not getting the results they were hoping for, they had hopes for brighter days ahead. And sure enough, man, they come up with this new upgrade package and suddenly here's Lando. And, you know, it's, it's funny because the first time that they had this upgrade package, was at Austria. Lando always goes well at Austria. I mean, it's like and that's just the track that he just he just seems to like. And i was like, eh, well, you know, yeah, maybe it was maybe that upgrade was really good. But I just think Lando loves Austria. Lo and behold, with each subsequent race, McLaren was there, and so Lando was given a useful tool in the in the B spec McLaren, so to speak. And guess what? All of a sudden, he is there or thereabouts, and so he's really hitting a stride. And if he were to be one of the guys that was a contender to bust Red Bull's, um, you know, win streak, Lando winning a Grand Prix between now and the end of the season would not shock me at all.
0: I like that. As we know, I've become more of a Lando uh, proponent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I think that he's the next generation of drivers, and I really want to see that ascendancy for him. And I just yep. like his personality. It's really good. Yep. Okay, so then it brings us to the C group. As we said at the beginning, nobody got an F in your report card. And, and of course, there's a fairly that's a fairly lengthy list of people. And so we're not going to go through all of the field, largely because some of that also ties into the stuff that we had talked about in the team discussion that it's not necessarily reflective of the fact that these individual drivers are getting Cs because of their driving skill as much as the the car that they're with or the team that they're with. And so in fairness, we don't really feel like you want to go into too many hits or pluses because it's yet to be seen. But there are some that are notable within the C group that you would like to highlight, I think. So let's go through those people. First, let's start with Lance. You know, you talked about Fernando and he's getting an A in the A group and largely for the resurgence. I think some people might be a little surprised by Lance. Why do you give him that C?
1: I think Lance is showing that he's an overcomer. You know, you have to remember, it seems like it's like forever, but he had a bicycle accident while training before the first uh, race. Well, before preseason testing, he wasn't able to test. And, you know, I mean, it was really kind of dire for him. He he went into the season really with no seat time whatsoever and recovering from those injuries. And you know what? The guy has delivered. Now, he's been a little bit up and down, a little bit inconsistent. And that's hurt Aston Martin um, in the team points perspective. But I got to give him a tip of the hat. When you have the psychological monster that is just being the teammate of Fernando Alonso, I think Lance is doing actually a really, really good job. And I would like to see him score more points to get him out of that C category um, and help Aston Martin solidify their place with the Constructors' Championship, but overall, I've got to give him a C+.
0: Talking about Fernando and his current teammate, which is Lance, and you're giving him a C+, I know that you've put his former teammate, Esteban Ocon, also in that C group. Tell us why, and do you see there a difference between the two?
1: Man, I mean, Ocon is clearly a real talent. And yet, other than that good result that he had in Monaco where he got the podium, I mean, he's so unpredictable. So up and down, very emotional, it it seems. And of course, he is driving for a team, an Alpine team, that this year is very different from the Alpine that he drove for last year. The level of chaos last year just wasn't there. This year, it's like new legendary levels. And a guy as I will, I will call Esteban Mercurial, I think that that Chaos doesn't do him any favors.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that you highlighted to me offline that he has made more points than Pierre. Mm -hmm. And that I think is very interesting that with all of this chaos and then putting the emotional mercurialness of Esteban, and then it's surprising that Pierre hasn't, considering where he was before and what he has been able to do. The only thing I can attribute that Pierre is sitting in that seat with not as many points as Esteban is because he's come into a completely new environment and it's like, oh my gosh, what chaos have I walked Mm -hmm. into at this point? So then let's look at another C person, which would be Oscar, which I think is very interesting that you gave him a C in comparison to Landa, who got a B, but I would love to unpack that a little bit. Why did you give Oscar a C?
1: Yeah. So I gave Oscar a C in that he really did not start the season all that strongly, which is perhaps a little bit unfair on my part. Being a rookie, the limited testing, all those kinds of things. I mean, given that he was spirited away from Alpine, took that McLaren seat, there's a lot of expectations because McLaren spent a bunch of money to get Oscar. And I think that that whole story uh, and all the implications around that story put quite a bit of the spotlight on Oscar. But to his credit, um, he's clearly dug into the data coming off of Lando's car, figured out where he was missing it, and then applied it to his driving. And as the season has gone on, the the young man has been improving. And I would not be shocked at all if at the end of the year when we do one of these report card sessions, but for the end of the season, to have Oscar as a B, it would not surprise me at all.
0: Well, I like that. And it also helps when we match him up against another rookie who you also gave a C, Logan. What about him?
1: You know, it's interesting. At first, I was really starting to wonder about Logan um, because Alex Albon, his teammate, was just really, well, quite frankly, he was just smoking uh, in the early races of the year. But as we've moved the series to tracks that Logan is already familiar with, that gap has narrowed. And when he got the upgrade package that Alex had, the car apparently suited him much better than the old configuration car, the old specification car. And suddenly he got more comfortable in the car. He didn't have to feel like he was overdriving it. And guess what? He went faster. Sometimes you have to slow down in the cockpit to go faster. And um, and so I think this is probably what's happened with Logan. I think Logan's going to score some useful points between now and, and the end of the year. But you still have to give him a C. He's a rookie. He's going to make rookie mistakes, just like Osher going to make rookie mistakes. Uh, The question is, do they learn from those mistakes?
0: Well, and I think that kind of ties in with one of our earlier episodes that I would encourage any of our listeners to um, check out, which is our Rookies episode. And we also did a discussion on each of these individual rookie drivers Mm -hmm. a little bit earlier in the season to understand why you come from that perspective, Dick. Because I think as a newer casual fan, when you look at Logan right now, and he is, 0 in point mm-hmm. yep. it's hard to have that optimism and realism and it requires going in a little bit deeper so you don't don't write off his potential and that you also fairly assess him against Oscar, the other rookie on the grid right now. So let's round out with one of the drivers that I would say typifies why we didn't feel that it was the best use of time to sit and discuss all the rest of the C group, which is Valtteri Bottas. Help us understand why you think he's a C and that he's indicative of some of the other C group.
1: The Alpha this year just is not a very good car relative to the rest of the field. Um, They've lost ground. And as a result, Valtteri just is not scoring the kind of points that he was capable of scoring even just last year when he moved over to Alpha. He's not forgotten how to drive, but given that the car is not great and he knows the car is not great, he's probably out there, I'm not saying stroking it around the track, But I also don't think that he's going to go and take massive risks that might get him an extra 10th of a second, but move him up the grid from 17th to 16th. You know, I just, he's too smart for that. And so he's looking at it. Hey, look, I really don't have a whole lot to race for here. Bringing the car home in one piece, providing good feedback, helping to develop the car That's about all he can hope to do because the car is so bad.
0: And even mentoring Joe um, and helping him to become a better racer. And this, again, ties in with our other conversation regarding the teams, the Alfa Romeo future is going to look very different, hopefully. And so just letting this year work through itself and Valtteri being able to be a leader in that new environment makes a lot of sense. This has been, in my opinion, a great conversation. Again, Dick, you have good insights. You have a very fair way of assessing these drivers. And I hope that our listeners also gained benefit, as I did, of thinking through how to look at the field at the middle of the season. And I look forward to hopefully doing another one like this, maybe at the end of the year where we look at and see how the drivers did not just at the data points of points but really looking at them as a full holistic driver so thank you so much for your time
1: absolutely
0: okay friends what did you think about the grades dick gave to the drivers do you think he was too gracious to fernando which of the drivers in the c group do you wish we had discussed in more detail what are your thoughts regarding Checo? what about daniel drop me a line via email sabrina at two guys, agirl, and f1.com have you rated and reviewed us in your favorite podcast app yet if not please take a moment to do so now are you new to the podcast If so, take some time to catch our earlier episodes where we discuss how to assess rookies. And we specifically talked about Oscar Piastri and Logan Sargent. And if you're a new or casual fan of F1, then listen to our F1 101 episode. If you want to learn more about John, Dick, and me, then you might enjoy our individual episodes where we discuss our F1 origin stories. Thank you to our followers who are supporting the show. You are making this show possible. John, Dick, and I don't take it for granted. If you're not a member already, check out the support the show link in the episode notes. Are you following us on social media? We're in all the usual places. Thanks to those who are sending messages and comments, feedback from you, our listeners. Our Two Guys, A Girl and F1 community has been humbling and really encouraging to John, Dick, and me. We know that this is a crowded market, so your words have been and continue to help us build a community and content that we believe in. Thank you. And with that, let me say that ends this conversation. But rest assured, we'll keep talking and you can keep listening in because we're just two guys, a girl, and F1 for John, Dick, and me, Sabrina.